Hey, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast called A Holy Podcast, where we look at whatever the topic was from the previous Sunday uh, in this series on holy. So today I am joined by Michael, Mackie, and Stacy. Uh, all three of them are incredible parts of our staff and on our teaching team. And so we're just going to jump right in, guys. Uh, this past Sunday, the topic was the idea of contentment. And in order sometimes to teach the positive side of something, you have to focus on the negative mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of illustrate the point. So there's a good chunk of the message where I was dealing with discontentment uh, and then and kind of looking at it from both sides. So this is where we began. And so we'll begin today is one of the things that we're looking at in the series is that God is calling us to experience the best life possible. So the idea of being holy is to be set apart. So in each one of our lives, God doesn't want us to stay where we currently are. And that is a, even if like we wanted just to begin there, that's an interesting idea to think about is we will, this side of eternity will, will never be settled with God because there always is something better that he's trying to lead us to and guide us to. Um, but in order for that to happen, we have to trust in God's direction and timing mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we have that in our, in our minds God's leading us somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I, I try to in my communication style, and I think this is one of the things that like all of you guys do well too, and one of the things people celebrate with our church is we're, we, as best we're able, we try to be very real right. mm-hmm. and not just try to get up on stage and like sugarcoat things and say like, God's going to call you to this. It's going to be mm-hmm. super easy. Mm-hmm. And if you follow this, like it's everything smooth. I think one of the things we do well is we acknowledge like, no, there's some legit tension in this process. So, okay, all that said, one of the things I said, and it's something that I frequently communicate, is as God calls us, we have to trust in His direction and timing. Mm-hmm. But man, God's ways are confusing mm-hmm. and at times very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that your guys's reality too? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's just pause and talk about that. Um, why is God's direction confusing uh, when we use that term? It's not confusing to God, right? Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. has a clear plan, stuff, but why is it confusing to us? I think it's so anti what's so human to us. Mm. And even this topic we're talking about today, contentment, like as I was thinking like through and, you know, reading these notes, it's, it's very much like anti what society teaches is what it's anti what culture teaches and really what we're brought up in as humans, you know, like I think, you know, there's a want for more and we're taught that from a very early age and, you know, more is better, more is going to get you this and that. And then that's the same with like when God gives us direction, that's like so anti what we've like, is just around us and we're steeped in, in the mm-hmm. world, I think it's it's really difficult to, oh, I'm going to go this opposite direction now. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super good. For me, Stacey and I are actually talking about um, this like very principle this morning about um, where, where you feel like you have big vision, you want to accomplish big things, and you just don't see the route or you have to be paced by things that are outside of your control. Um, there's actually an example I shared with Stacey that I think um, for me epitomizes where the frustra- like the fr- like confusing and at times even frustrating part of it comes in of, um, I told her one of the most anxious moments in my life is when we go on staff retreat together. Mm-hmm. And it's this moment we walk in and everyone's unloading groceries and getting stuff ready. And I'm just not the most spatially aware person. And I always just sit there like, should I, Oh no, someone's already doing that. Should I, it's almost <laughs> this like crippling where I want someone to be like, Michael, go do this. I'm like, yes, I have a project. I can go do it. And that to me, I feel a lot of safety in my life when I have a very clear go this way, do this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I feel like I'm in a position where I feel like I have a goal or a burden that God put in my heart or something to accomplish and the route to get there is not the way I would do it, not how I would organically want to, or even in a season of not exactly sure how to accomplish it mm-hmm. yet. That's where it becomes confusing and at times frustrating. It's like, I want to do what God called me to do, but I have such a safety 
in a piece and knowing the game plan. Mm -hmm. Like if you write it out for me or if I can come up with it myself yeah. and the amount of times I'm sure all of us can attest that you might come up with that game plan you might, you might look at it and say, this is, this is the right way. Mm -hmm. right. And there's just a monkey wrench, whether it be God has a different way to do it, whether it be somebody, <clears throat> um, it's not, it, you know, there's an outside source that would say, no, we're not going to do it that way. And it just becomes really complicated. And that's where you have to have faith, but it doesn't make it any less confusing or at times frustrating. Mm -hmm. Right. I think sometimes too, especially for me, it's just even his, his whole timing and all of that thing, all yeah. of that too, you know, like he, we know he's calling you to something or he's giving you a promise of something but he also tells you to wait. And I think like yeah. that's mm -hmm. that for me is where it, it is like that confusion of like, but you've promised you're gonna do this. So why yeah. aren't you just doing it right now? Mm. That whole idea of instant gratification, Michael and I were talking right. about this today, is that yeah. we're just so it's so ingrained in us that it's like, but it's not the same timing. And so I think for me, a lot oftentimes that's where a lot of my confusion will mm -hmm. come in is like, God, I know you've promised this to me, but why isn't it happening? Or you've given me this vision. And I cannot see where we're going, right. you know, mm. in the process of yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you say that, like, with God, um, when when His promises are unfulfilled, it feels like then it's a no. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. like, even though He has said yes to you, until He fulfills it, it still feels like a no. Right. <laughs> yeah. And right. it is that part that is frustrating, because I, I live in that tension, too, of there are times that God has spoken things to me or to us, and it happens quickly, and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, man, that's awesome. Like, that's you feel that be. momentum. Yeah, yeah, it should be that. Right. Boom, boom. Right. And then there are other times where, like, I am still waiting on God, mm -hmm. and it, it, I'm not going to lie. It, it causes my faith to waver. Not faith mm -hmm. in God. Like, sure. I'm not falling away from God, but, like, my faith in that, um, in that promise, did I yeah. hear him correctly? Right. Like, was right. I wrong? Am I doing something wrong? And that can mm. be, for me, very frustrating, too, and confusing, mm -hmm. because... Uh, you keep asking God to search your heart, and then even when you're like, you feel like, okay, I feel settled with God, and yet you still haven't done this. Mm -hmm. Again, it's because from our perspective, that is confusing yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, even as you were saying, like the idea of like just knowing what to do, I, I've said that often. Of like, you put a known challenge in front of me, and I'll I'll tackle it every day. Mm -hmm. It is the unknown that drives me crazy. But I'll even say it this way: like um, sometimes my wife, when she's doing something, like around the house, we're getting ready for guests or something, and uh, I know she's going to need help. This is like my personality. Probably says a lot about my personality in a bad way, but I would rather Mary make a list of 15 things I have to do and put it on the refrigerator <laughs> than me have to go and do one and then come back and ask her what's next. Yep. Like if, if there was five of the unknown things, that is more annoying to me than 15 known things. Yep. So like, because I don't know if I feel like a child or what, but I come back like, what else, mom? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what now? But it's just like in yeah. my mind, I want to know so that I can plan mm -hmm. my time and life around it. And I think that's the part with God, it feels hard to make other plans mm -hmm. when there's something unsettled in your yeah. life, yeah. and yet this is God. He's saying, yeah. like, you're saved by faith. I want your faith to increase. And so if, if our relationship with God is founded on faith, we will perpetually be in a position where He's calling us to take faith steps. Mm -hmm. And that is not the easiest path, is it? No. 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 no and he, even to that, like, you know, like a similar example, you know, I, it'll be a, a similar thing. We have something to do. We're hosting people at our house. Or we're going we're going to go on a trip, and we want to make sure everything's everything's all cleaned up before we go. You come mm -hmm. home to a clean house, um, and I'll ask Gina, you know, hey, what can I do? Can you give me a list? And her default response, because it's the way her brain works, and she's like relentlessly kind, thankfully, like well, just look around, like what do you see? Like jump <laughs> yeah. in, help out. <laughs> yeah. and I always want to tell her, like, no, it looks fine to me, <laughs> because we do have that, you know, the same way that me and my wife have different standards of what that is. That's also my relationship with God, mm -hmm. where it's like. You know, once I have the clarity and once I have the direction, it's like, 
you know, sitting at the bottom of a mountain and wanting to be up there, which is a clean house and being like, mm-hmm. I don't even know how, like, I, don't, I wouldn't even know what the blueprint is to get there. Right. Right. And sometimes, whether it be by intention or because of your own, you know, you know, a misstep because I thought it was this way, it's just a belabored process that mm-hmm. always ends in God's faithfulness, but it doesn't make that right in that moment any, any less confusing. Right. Yeah. My, the amount of times my wife has said, like, just basically, like, use your own common sense. Yeah. That I'm like, man, because like, I mean, I've had times where my wife's like, we really need to spend some time cleaning the house because it's a wreck. And I'll look around and cannot find one thing. <laughs> Not <laughs> one thing that would change. Totally. I actually asked my wife at one time, she, she scrubs the floors. And I remember coming in one time going, why do you do that? And she looked at me like I was an alien, you know, she's like, yeah. what do you mean? And I'm like, why do you like scrub the floors? And she's like, you think we can just live here for years and not clean floors? And, <laughs> I, and as she asked it, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Make me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm more like, well, we will spot clean. Like, yeah. if one day you look down and you spill dirty, coffee, you clean it up. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm listening to all of you siding with Mary. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. Stacy, I'm siding with Mary. As you should be. Yeah. Mary's right. Yeah. Mary and are both right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that. Like when I was in college, so I'm going to tell you these two stories, and these are <laughs> these are two different levels of grossness. My, I, I didn't change my sheets my freshman year of college. Oh. Okay, right? Yeah, right? I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, as bad as it sounds, this makes me sound super spoiled. Uh, it's because I never changed my sheets growing right. up. Right, yeah. Because my mom did, right? Totally. I didn't yeah. know that. So here, what's worse, my brother Chris didn't change his sheets his freshman year, stuck those same sheets in storage, took them out his sophomore year, put them on his bed, and didn't change them his sophomore year. Oh, man. So Chris, <laughs> Chris is worse than me. But, but again, like, if you don't know any better, you know. Yeah. No, like, well, I don't know. Uh, same story. I didn't know that was a thing until my wife taught me. Because I, yeah. I, you know, I didn't know. You know what? That's not true. I think Mackie's the one who taught me that. We were living together. <laughs> I'd catch him doing it. It's one of those things you like. Mackie's Mackie's a pretty clean guy. Mackie, more than anybody that I've met, is just very, like, detail-driven. And there's another thing he taught me, too, of, like, we lived in a house with, like, eight people. So you have very little space. But when you look at Mackie's space, like, his end table and his bed, it was always immaculate. And it's like he had a level of ownership. Like, that's all I have. (laughs) It's like I have (laughs) this space in the way that he stewarded over Is That was, like, we're eventually start taking notes of, like, change your sheets. (laughs) Like, go. Or just just because, you know. But but you don't know until you know, you know. It's just, yeah. Now, are you systematic even with that kind of stuff in your life? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can, I can. I, I'm probably my own worst critic, so sometimes I feel like, sure. oh, man, I'm not doing great. And to other people, it may be, you know, great. But Yeah. yeah. Well, last week, uh, he had this little c- container on the uh, on a desk, and he was cleaning up to go home. And I said, what is that? It looked like a speaker almost to me, a portable speaker. And he goes, it's a – he almost kind of laughed. He goes, uh, it's a, a case for my cords. And I, op- I said, can't see. He said, yeah, I opened it. And it's like you had a spot for your AirPods and cords. If you look at mine, I have a pocket in my bag that I open, and I'm basically just like cramming cords and wires down, and then like, and then like you know the zipper where like you're you're, you're like pinching it together. That's like mine, and his are wrapped and organized. You're gonna nail it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So so with, with this relationship with God, God is He's not intentionally trying to frustrate us, but He's mm-hmm. trying to grow our faith. So there's this perpetual condition that we have to trust Him. We're taking these steps. But one of the things that we hyper focused on Sunday was being set by God, set set apart by God. This idea of holiness means that He's calling us to be content, mm. um, to to be satisfied and whole in Him. And mm. let's just be honest. So, like one of the things you said this earlier, but we uniquely live in a culture that is, I think, purposefully designed to create discontentment. I, I've talked yeah. about this often. Even recently, I talked about. Our culture is uniquely designed to create insecurity in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that the most beautiful people in our world are still photoshopped—it mm-hmm. it is to create 
yeah. a, a standard that's unattainable. Even yesterday, I was I, I was actually in Florida um, visiting my son, and I went into this restaurant, and they just had this picture. This is a bizarre story, I'm telling you. But they had a picture uh, in the bathroom on the wall, and as I looked at it, it was an old a movie star lady, and she's like, uh, again, this is a weird story, but she's in a bikini-type thing, but it's a movie set or something sure, like yeah. that. Um, but it's just like right in front. And as you look at it, like her body doesn't look like a modern day person's body sure. in a sense of like, it didn't look what we would say is like tone or fit. And yet this is like one of the icon Hollywood beauties of, of the beauty, time. Yeah. And you, you look at it and you think like, that's how a normal person should hmm. look. That's, that's good. Beautiful. Then you have uh, nowadays it's like unsustainable standard that's being set mm -hmm. in front of us. So you have that the create insecurity, but also mm -hmm. in life, um, just the idea of consumerism is mm -hmm. to yeah. consistently convince us there's a better life available for mm -hmm. you out there somewhere if you purchase it. Mm -hmm. So like your wow. car is yeah. not enough, your house yep. is not enough, mm -hmm. your your body's not enough, your looks are not enough, your relationships, yep. your experiences, mm -hmm. and even with social media, it just adds that extra wave where you're looking at. Um, everyone else's lifestyle, their branded lifestyle, mm -hmm. and it creates discontentment. I just saw a shirt this week that was the logo of um, Instagram, and the words on it says, this is not real. <laughs> this guy was wearing it, and I thought, it's, like, it's pretty good. I, yeah, I want that shirt. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so we have this tension, right? Mm -hmm. Culture mm -hmm. is uniquely designed to create discontent. God's like, I want you to be content, but let's just focus on the content side. Why is it so important to God for us to be content in Him? It is something that you see Paul talk about often. We looked at multiple scriptures on Sunday. Uh, godliness with contentment is great gain. I mean, this mm -hmm. idea. But why is that? Because one of the things I said on Sunday is being content means trusting in God. Mm -hmm. But what is it about it that God wants us to be satisfied in Him? I think because, I mean, it, it might sound like the easy answer, but it is the only way to be satisfied. You know, I think yeah. all every single one of us, you know, as you were talking, I was just even thinking, like, as a teenager, all the teen girl magazines and stuff, right. it is. It was, like, from a young age, we were taught, like, you're not good enough, you know. But mm -hmm. but then when you look at anything in Scripture, God's like, no, you are, because I right. created you. I designed you. And mm -hmm. so even now, as you're talking about, like, Instagram, and I know, like, I can fall into that discontentment of, like, well, my house doesn't look like that, yeah. or mm -hmm. my family, you know, we pay off things or, you know, whatever it is, like we know what God's calling us to. And I can feel that insecurity, but it's like the second I go to God, God's like, no, 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 no. Keep coming back to me because I really am the only way that you're going to be satisfied. I can keep buying new vehicles. I can keep buying yeah. new things. I can keep, you know, working out hard so that I, right. I can have this perfect body image or whatever. And God's like, but what happens when you arrive there? Hmm. You're just going to want right. whatever's next after yeah. that. And so it is, you have to keep going back to him because because of what he says, he is the only place that we can find mm -hmm. that true yeah. contentment. Yeah, no, that's super good, Stacey. Now I'd say, Michael, what you said earlier is really accurate, is that God's standards are different than ours. Mm -hmm. And I think for this specifically, too, his standards are different where his standards are eternal and mm -hmm. ours are very temporary. Yeah. Sure. Like yeah. Yeah. everything we want, even the nicest, finest things that, you know, society, again, is uniquely telling us we need this thing. We mm -hmm. want more. We want the nicest thing, right? And my brain, even, I would say that, like, when I look for something, I look for the nicest of the nice, mm -hmm. and it's wired to a fault that way. But even that thing is so temporary and mm -hmm. that's not God's standard. That's yeah. not what God has mm -hmm. for you. And I think it's hard for a lot of us to believe that, that it's hard to believe that we can receive joy through being content mm -hmm. with God. We, we are so promised that joy comes in other routes, but mm -hmm. it's not, you know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. not what God's standard is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think as well, like this principle that we can find that contentment in God is honestly at the end of the day, his, 
his deep generosity towards towards us to even have that be an option. Mm. Like I think about Paul writing, like like you look in Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter four, which like the joke is like four thirteen is like for sports teams, like yeah we right, can yeah. win this game, you know. <laughs> the reality is like Paul's in jail and he's saying I, like mm-hmm. I can I know what it is to be content. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's such a generous act from God to be like no you might find yourself wrongly in prison you could find yourself mm-hmm. at the devastating end of a medical diagnosis. Life is going to leave you in the dark, discontent, frustrated, mm-hmm. sad, confused. Mm-hmm. And how generous of an act of him to be like, whoa, but you can't still, in spite of everything, in spite of Paul being in jail mm-hmm. right now, you can be content. Yeah. Like, here's your mm-hmm. access to it. Yeah. I just think it's another another testament to we could look at that almost like God's punishing us of, mm-hmm. oh, he's making us live this life where there's like we're just forced to be discontent. We're, we live in a society where they're constantly making us feel insecure. If, if, in God's perspective, could be like, no, like, yeah, that's the result of free will, and mm-hmm. uh, that's creating the, the world and the sin that you guys live in. But look at my face. Like, I have this access for your contentment. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's just more care and generosity from him. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things that we looked at on Sunday is even one of the scriptures that says, you brought nothing into this world, hmm. and you'll take nothing <laughs> with you. Mm-hmm. It, it really does put in perspective, then, all of the things in our culture, because you were, you were talking about the only way we can be satisfied is in God. Mm-hmm. You do look at it, and all the things our culture is offering us, none of it stays with us. Right. Mm-hmm. First of all, right. almost nothing lasts. Yeah. That's yeah. another thing, too. Yeah. It's like, how many things have you, at one point, brought you incredible joy that a few years later you had mm-hmm. to throw away or sell right. or give away? Right. right. It breaks and stuff. Yeah. And yet with God, he's saying like he's, he's leading us towards something eternal. And I think that is, I think the biggest lie of our culture is trying to get us convinced that something temporary can give us eternal joy. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. good. And, and that is, again, it's, it's the lie of our culture. Okay, so, so God wants us to be content. He wants us to be in a place of, of trusting him. Because the flip side of that is discontentment with God means distrusting God. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to highlight something, and I, I want to discuss. I didn't, I didn't have time on Sunday to really go deeper into this, but I, I chose my words carefully on Sunday. But I, when I'm talking about discontentment, I'm, I'm specifically talking about discontentment with God. Because mm-hmm. here's what I don't want to paint. I, the, the reality of our lives, th- this is, let me say it this way, and then let's talk about it. There are, in a relationship with God, there is going to consistently be areas where God is pointing out areas that need to change, right? Mm-hmm. So like if you have a sensitive heart toward God, in that moment, you'll be discontent even with yourself because you're mm-hmm. saying like, okay, this is an area that needs to grow. And I know, like I'll, I'll, t- I'll give a personal example. I need to grow in patience. I'm realizing that more and more in my life, I can get impatient. And so I'm discontent with my impatience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so like sure. discontentment in and of itself is not bad, Always, but it can be. It can be manipulated. But mm-hmm. so when we're talking about discontentment with God, so here, here's my question: As you guys, and let's just see if we, what our thoughts could be on this. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the difference between being discontent with something in your life and being discontent with God specifically? Yeah, you know, to me, um, there's a really strong correlation between discontentment leading to change in the same way that, uh, like, the words guilt and shame. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't have exact definitions for this. It's more anecdotal to like how I functionally use these terms. But in my own life, I've always used guilt as a necessary and important delivery system to lead you to something better. Mm-hmm. If I do something wrong, if I hurt somebody, you should feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, you know, you, you hear in, in from from many people, Christian circles, I've probably even said it, said it myself, like, oh, there's God doesn't want you to feel guilty. And the reality is like, man, if you're hurting somebody, if you're if you're hurting yourself, like you should feel this in because you're made in the image of God, it should feel unsettled. Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're betraying the very DNA of God inside of that He made you in His image, and you're and you're doing an action that's going to be pulling you farther from that. That should leave you not mm-hmm. content. It should make you feel guilty. Yeah. Now that guilt hopefully would lead you to repentance mm-hmm. and to say, God, like forgive me of this. 
anything past that moment then is become shame where it's like, okay, this is not useful. Right. Like you have reconciled this sin. You have made amends to where God would have called you to. You have, um, you know, d- done, done what God would have asked us to do in that moment. And now what you're feeling is not functional guilt anymore to lead you to better. It's just shame. <clears throat> that to me feels like this discontentment. We're like, no, if I'm doing the wrong thing, if I'm doing something that would be hurtful to myself or others. I want mm-hmm. to feel unsettled. Yeah. I want to feel discontent. Um, and then, but I never wanted to transcend to where I view God as this inconsistent character who's mm-hmm. not. And that to me is the biggest difference there as well is that God is unchanging. He's eternal. Value mm-hmm. systems never change. To have discontentment with that is a mistake. Mm-hmm. Like I want to be discontent if when it comes to the, my surrounding circumstances, if they're going to lead me to something better, if they're going to lead me deeper into an intimate relationship with God, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm hungry for those things. It's not fun, but I still want it. Where the moment you let that transcend into you know what, God, I'm actually mad at you because you allowed it to happen to begin with. That's me right. where it goes over into this, like, or again, having shame become this. Now it's just, there's no there's no function to that anymore. It's not mm-hmm. bringing me towards holiness. It's not bringing me deeper into a relationship with the Lord or, or intimacy with Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you guys think? I just keep thinking of, even as Michael was talking, just about that whole idea of, like, I can be discontent with the sin in my life, and I think mm-hmm. that that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, like, I... I don't want to be content with the sin in my life. I want to be discontent mm-hmm. with it because I want to change that. Right. But I can still be content in God's grace. I can still be content yeah. in who God is in that moment and knowing like he's going to help me change that, change those sins, change those different things in my life yeah. and find even more contentment in him mm-hmm. when I can overcome yeah. those things. And I think there even has to be followed with an action step. Like yeah. I want my discontentment to lead to action. So you should be discontent with the state of the world. Mm-hmm. Look at the world around you. It's like, look at all this brokenness. Like that should lead right. me to go help be a solution to all this brokenness. Like right. I want to love people better. I want to minister to people. I want to evangelize. Mm-hmm. I want to get as many people in the kingdom of heaven as possible. That discontentment with the state that you see things is appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, again, as long as I'm not letting it transcend and now I'm mad at God. Right. Now, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And any discontentment, you know, uh, discontentment is unholy when it leads to certain things like envy and so forth. Like mm-hmm. if, discontent, yeah. if there's a discontentment that leads you to other sin, leads you down that right. road, you can instantly call that out in your life and mm-hmm. say, this is not the type of discontentment that I feel like is, you know, set apart is what God would have for me. If it's leading you to envy, if it's leading you uh, to strife and all these things, you can instantly know that, you know, that's mm-hmm. not for me. That's not yeah. what God has for me. Yeah. That's so good. good. Right. So yeah. Second Corinthians seven ten says godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but mm-hmm. worldly sorrow brings death. It, it, there really should yeah. be that element of like what you're saying. You use the term guilt. I, I, I would oftentimes, so you even said in the beginning, this is just your semantics, sure. like how your phraseology. But I would often say, uh, I would use more the term of conviction, sure. right? The idea yeah. of like, yeah, there's this unsettled thing inside of us that if God is leading it, then it's a beautiful thing. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, you, you do think about it, even at different times throughout Scripture, there was something that God stirs in people. Yeah. Like I think of Nehemiah, where mm-hmm. he hears the report. He, he's, he's the cupbearer mm-hmm. to the king in, um, in Persia. He hears the report of Jerusalem being destroyed, and it troubled him. He was discontent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he went to prayer, and God stirred that inside of him. Uh, there's this famous poem that that I love. It's by um, Sir Francis Drake. Makes me sound super smart, doesn't it? When, I, when he quotes <laughs> something like that. But the poem is called "Disturb Us, Lord." I'll just read a little bit of it. He says, "Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord." Uh, when the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life, mm-hmm. have fallen in love with life, and, and he goes on um, with that. But it, it's just this idea he keeps saying over and over, disturb us, Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What he's talking about is that 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 godly disturbance, that godly mm-hmm. discontent 
that God uses, I think, to shape our lives and to direct our lives. But I think we're all on the same page when we say yeah. what we have to be careful about is that that the discontent in our lives doesn't cause us to blame God and be right. frustrated with God. Right. So all of us have gone through seasons at some point in our life where we had unanswered prayers, confusing times with God, where if we're being honest, we were discontent with God, mm-hmm. right? Can we all agree yeah. with that? Yeah. So th- sure. let me ask you then a, a personal question. How did you in that season resolve it and or sus- be sustained until you got to a place where you found clarity? Mm-hmm. Um, you get what I'm asking, right? Yeah. I, I don't yep. think I need to yeah. go deeper in that. I'll start with you, Stacey. Yeah, so um, for us, uh, having a child was a real struggle for us. Um, so I had an ectopic pregnancy that ruptured, um, and so, you know, that that was a horrible experience in and of itself, but then it was a whole year process before we actually were able to get pregnant, and, and now we have our daughter. She's eight years old, but, man, that was a hard season. It was really hard to trust God. I, I wrote down um, something you said on Sundays. You said, God's ways are confusing and his timing is frustrating. Yeah. And I, I started because I was like, man, I went immediately back to that season yeah. where I was like, God, I'm consistently pursuing after mm. you. And I, I, and in that season, I consistently was like, God, if this isn't something from you, will you take this desire away from me? Yeah. And he didn't. Like he yeah. never did in that season. And so there, I, I had a lot of frustrating moments where God, mm-hmm. where, where I was super discontent, where I was like, I just so desperately want to be a mom. And, and I'll be honest, there were moments where that desperation overtook sometimes my relationship with God, because sure. I was just like, mm-hmm. I just want so badly to be a mom. I don't understand why you're not allowing this to happen. But I know for me, it was just time and time again, I was like, I have to get back in God's presence. And mm-hmm. and I hate this season of waiting, and I hate that this isn't how I wanted my life to, to turn out. But every single time, I would just get at the feet of Jesus. It was just amazing the things that he would speak to me. Mm-hmm. And even in that time, you spoke a prophecy over our lives, and you said, God's going to provide you a child, and your child's going to be like John, and and he or she, we didn't know that right. it was going to be a girl at that time, but is going to lead the way and lead others to Jesus. And honestly, I wrote that down, and a lot of times I would just go back to that because mm-hmm. I was like, this is a promise of God, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. keep reminding myself, God's yeah. promised this to me. Right. And and so it was. It was just consistently whenever I would almost like that pick it back up again, it was like, Jesus, I surrender this back to mm-hmm. you. I surrender this back to you. Please help me to be content. And And it was through friends. It was through others who had walked through that, and it was just through... Bible versus everything, where it was just like, I just had to consistently go, I'm not content. Will you just help me mm-hmm. in this season? All right. So let me summarize, and then I want to ask a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. So the, the things that you did, you were purposed to to get back into the presence of God through mm-hmm. prayer, through right. reading scriptures, through right. worship. Right. Uh, godly relationships were, were key to that. Mm-hmm. Being honest and real. Would you, yes. Wouldn't you say that that's an important part mm-hmm. in that season? Trying to stuff it down doesn't do anyone good. Mm-hmm. God's no. not sensitive, right? right? God's already searched your heart and knows it. Right. That's a, right. a part of it. So it's yeah. not you're not informing God like he's like, wait, you're upset with me? Right. <laughs> right? Like he knows it. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So Okay, you went through that season. Now looking back on that season, what did God show you and teach mm-hmm. you through that season that now you can look back and celebrate, yeah. even though it was painful? And I'm going to say the f- same follow-up questions to you guys. Mm-hmm. Now you look back and, okay, that was a tough season, but right. during that season, man, I really grew in this, or mm-hmm. I really learned this. Yeah, I 
I think for me, one of the things I did grow in is just being vulnerable, like yeah. um, just being able to say, no, God, like this is awful. And I don't right. like this. I don't mm. like where we're at. And even being vulnerable with other people, which has then translated, you know, to things on staff. Um, I think, too, I think that was probably one of the first times in my life where I really learned to just rely on God, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because it really was, I mean, it was it was all on his timing. It was all on, he knew when Cadence had to be born. And so I look back now and I'm like, man, I had some of the best times of worship in that mm -hmm. season of waiting. Mm -hmm. I had some of the best conversations I've ever had with God. And I really do think it just was God preparing me even for ministry, even mm. to be, because I did, mm. I got to become a part of the staff during that time. Right. And uh, just, he was preparing my heart for something deeper. I think in that time he was preparing me to be a mom. You know, I right. think that there were things in my life that I needed to work on in order to be the mom that Cadence now needs me yeah. to be. And then the last thing is, especially now, I feel like it's one of my greatest testimonies. The amount of women that I've been able to just speak life into when they're in that season of waiting yeah. um, for God to to answer their prayer to become a mom. Um, I wouldn't have that opportunity had I not got yeah. to walk through that. It's good. Very good. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say there were years, there's this years long gap where I was not married, where like I had gotten out of high school and then growing up in church, there was this like understanding that everyone got married really young, which I don't know mm. where that came from, but there mm. was, you know, it was like, <laughs> you'll be married by 19 or 20, yeah. which is like a American Christian thing. <laughs> it's strange. Um, so I always that thought really that. really is like a Christian yeah. thing. It really yeah. is. That's, so I that said, I am for marrying young. So just yeah, go ahead. For, yeah, 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 in the right way, right? But, um, in the right way, yeah. Yeah, so but I had this understanding that I Versus would get married. Versus the wrong way. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong, wrong way. Wrong way, just kidding. Yeah, wrong way is always bad. Well, yeah, rushing into it, you know what I mean? Um, but no, so I always had that understanding. Um, and there was, so there was years, you know, my adult life out of high school where I was actually in full-time ministry, uh, but I wasn't married. So I, I was like dating and dating is the worst thing ever, by the way. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. like <laughs> until you're married, then dating like, your wife was, oh, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's like, but the, dating has to have a goal, right. And that's the goal yeah. of marriage, but it's, it's the worst until you find the right person. Um, and that's what it was like for me. I was so discontent. I was so broken. I was so hurt by it. Um, it was just like a long, long season years of like, where it just wasn't working out. Um, in that season, it wasn't until like, and even reflecting back, I, I reflect back on now, like a lot of reasons God kept me single. But um, in that season, it gave me a lot of margin to do a lot of things and be obedient to, th uh, to God and things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do married. So like I had margin to spend, I was in youth ministry, spent a lot more time with the high school students right. that I led. Yeah. Uh, we had a you know, these, these guys still follow, uh, follow God. And we had a group text up until recently. Um, uh, but like there's seven or eight guys that we used to go to IHOP at like midnight. Hmm. You can't, that would be really hard to do <laughs> yeah. Mary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like, I was like 23, 24 year old guy in youth ministries. Like we were the IHOP boys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there's those things, but also it's just like, I, I was able to have that margin hmm. and, and it wasn't until I, I felt like I was fully content with myself and my singleness and in ministry until I felt like God brought my wife into my life. I really do believe that. I don't want to mm. hyper-spiritualize it. Mm. I even met my wife after one of the bigger seasons of obedience in, in ministry and mm. in my spiritual walk. So I would say, you know, what I learned from that was is to, tr to trust. Like that mm. was a right. huge season yeah. of building faith for me. Um, and it's so funny too, when you're in it, you don't realize it, but I know plenty of people uh, that are older and got married older than I did. And I'm here just like, kind of, what was me? You know, like mm. this, like worldly mm. sorrow, this sorrow that, you know, 
just there was no reason for it, and it's just so cool what God was able to do. He built my faith through that season. Mm-hmm. So, um, true. You uh, met your wife first day you were here at the Tree Church. Yeah, right? first Sunday. Yeah, you're here. welcome. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I recruited you here. Yep. God answered the <laughs> desires of your heart. Yep. Yeah. How old are you now? I'm just um, 31. 31. Uh, you guys hear Nate Bargatsky, his mm-hmm. his uh, comedy where he's like, when you're in your 20s, because you were talking about like in youth ministry, he's like, mm-hmm. when you're in your 20s. People go like, "Do you want to do this?" And you're like, "Yes." You don't even know what it is. Like, you know, he talked <laughs> about that. I mean, he goes in the 30s. You're like, "How late are we going to be out?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. in your 40s, you're annoyed that they even yep. asked you. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> course, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He, or it may have been that same joke, but he was, he was talking about hanging out with people who are like, he's like 40, 41. He's like hanging out with guys who are 39, 38, anyone younger than him. The second someone who's 42 rolls in. Like, hey, you guys want to hang out? It's like, get it, buzz off, old man. Yeah. <laughs> Even that old yeah. guy's trying to talk to us kids. Like, what's going yeah. on? He's like, yeah, let's just hang out. You want to go sit down? <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Um, you know, for me, I went through, e- even as like as as you guys were talking, I was trying to think through my own life of different filters of different moments where I felt that. And I, I think a bigger one for me where I felt the impact more directly wasn't just my discontentment with God. It was also with, with Christians, with his people. Mm. It was in 2020 where just the world was in. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. Uh, The world was in a little bit of turmoil. I don't know if you guys Uh, have read about it. Uh, (laughs) um, And to quote one of my favorite teachers, and people are the worst. (laughs) (laughs) And people are the worst. You put them in a tough situation, and we're going to learn all about it, right? But I remember just being so upset in that season. that I I looked around, I'd see things that whether it be from the church that were frustrating, whether it be just through anybody. It could be right. people who weren't in the church. I just found myself so irritable. And then it, and that was a direct translation of also how I felt about God at that time. I remember how how chaotic everything felt and just being feeling distant from God and feeling like, where where are you in this? Like, where are your hands in this? And feeling that, that like, like not the kind of contempt like Stacy talked about that leads me closer to God of, I'm so discontent with the world. I'm running the arms of God. I felt myself like I'm so discontent with the world. Now I'm also mad at you too. And, and I remember in that season... I had a specific song. I think it's Hosanna by Hillsong. You can, you you probably know better than I do, but there's like a, a bridge in it that says, break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything yeah. I am for your kingdom's cause. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Mm-hmm. So the first part, I feel like I had down. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Cause I was mad. I was like, I am heartbroken. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, and you do have a high justice bent. Like you I do, do. a like, very high justice bent. Yeah. Um, so, so I felt like I had that part down. Like I understand the justice of God, like yeah. under, um, and, you know, and that's the other example came out. I had to decompress a lot of that through counseling last week. Like, just a lot of cause and effect of that in the way that I have traditionally viewed myself. But as a result, I had such a low view of humanity at that point. And also from God, I'm like, you made this mess. And I was so discontent. I'm like, where's the, where are your hands in it? And that, so I had the first part down, um, break my heart for what breaks yours. But that last part, show me how to live like you have loved me. Mm. I was not responding with grace. Yeah. I was not responding from a place of like, Looking at that heart, looking at the heartbreak and looking at the confusion and being like, man, that breaks my heart because, and I want that heartbreak, and, you know, to lead me to care for people deeper and better and to love them more <clears throat> in the way that God loves me. I'm going to check was talking about it, but like, it, it was just so challenging. And then that's where, where it finally hit me of like the only way out and the only way through it to keep my mental health intact is going to be to not villainize everybody, God's mm-hmm. people, God himself. It's going to be to love them in the, in the best way that I can, the way that God has loved me over and over and over again. The volume of times at all of us, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, God, I messed up again. And mm-hmm. yet he still relentlessly loves us and yeah. pursues us and cares mm-hmm. for us. 
And it just felt like, oh, my entire economy is broken here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not letting this discontentment lead me to something holy, lead me to something better, lead me to deeper ministry. And as a pastor, I'm like, I was a pastor. I'm ashamed mm-hmm. to say that. You know, that should have led me to wanting to pastor people better. But that was a process for me. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, the, the the best thing that I learned is to constantly look at the spiritual fruit of how I feel. Because I like because of that justice bent, I can easily kind of get up on a high horse and say, but this is right. You know, right, like yeah. and put my flag in it and be like, so I'm mad. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I could be right. Um, but am I kind? Am mm-hmm. I am I gentle? Am I caring? You know, am I long suffering? Yeah. Like, what am I here? And that was and that's been the biggest asset to me from that place where God just like has convicted my heart to constantly have these to just run by my feelings by spiritual fruit. Is this discontentment? Is the frustration leading me to be patient, to be gentle, to be kind? Still being frustrated. You can be frustrated and be all those things. Mm-hmm. You can be kind and be frustrated and discontent. Um, but just to have, is there, is there any value to what I'm doing? Is it leading me to action? Is it leading me to love people the way that God loves me? And if the mm-hmm. answer is no, I want to check it and I want to do the work that I have to do um, and try to get closer to that. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, rinse, cycle, repeat. You just do it over and yeah. over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, don't take this as a backhanded compliment because I mean it as a 100% compliment. I even noticed during COVID an uh, incredible growth in you. I, and I'd already respect you. So here's a, th- this is the honest truth. You describe a younger version of you that I've never actually met. Sure, so you'll yeah. describe this version of like almost rebellious, like pick a fight, mm-hmm. like argumentative. I've actually not seen that side of sure. you. Um, so I think it's probably more of like your ongoing reality, but it's not really reality, if that makes sense. <laughs> sure, yeah. But during COVID, like there were so many times where you did stuff and handled it so well that I was shocked because I was like, I probably would have lit that person up like mm-hmm. because they were so wrong. Yeah. Like the people would post stuff. And, and people that were respectful, that's easy. Someone's respectful, it's Super easy reason. to have a conversation. Yep. It was the the crazy, disrespectful, dismissive things. And I just saw you like really embrace during that time a maturity mm-hmm. to meet people in like there were times I would read your responses and think, I don't know if Michael's at home fired up because he's so calm on mm-hmm. this. And I would think like I, yeah. like I could picture you like flipping a table and then yeah. sitting it down and going, but Jesus loves you, you know, like yeah. you're real kind in that. Yeah. But, I, but I just remember like respecting that so much. And that's what came out the, our other podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could be wrong. Sure. Came yeah. about from that of us going, we want to love people well, but we yeah. have to create a, a venue. So I really uh, respected that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and really, you know, I, I, it really is a school of hard knocks thing where I've, I experienced the other end too many times in my life, you know, as being younger and being, letting that bent towards justice lead me to rage. I'm like, that's yeah. not a spiritual fruit. <laughs> like, that's not, <laughs> I don't know, you know, that's not my check, not on the list. It's like, but boy, would you be excited yeah. if it was? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I have the gift of rage. Red meat to Texans. I'm in, put me in. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've, I've got, I'm anointed in that category. Let's, let's, let's let it rip. Yeah. But for me, it just took like, like years of making, of having missteps and hurting people and hurting relationships. And it's wild how much damage you could do while still technically being right. And that was like the most jarring thing of like what the words I'm saying are technically right, but you make a fool of yourself enough times and you hurt people's feelings that you were not intending to. And it's also not malice. No part of me ever, I can say that honestly, was ever trying to be hurt. Maybe if someone was really rude, I'd want to kind of poke at them. But it's just more an intolerance and an impatience. And, you know, and just you do that enough and you hurt enough people. And then you look around you and it's like, man, who, who do I even have right now that I'm friends with? You know, me and Mackie had a situation where when we first met each other, was it safe to say we weren't super close? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so to say we were not super tight. Uh, mm-hmm. We were both very competitive. We work really hard. Um, if you don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, me and Mackie went to Bible college together. We've known each other for, you know, like o- over a decade now. And 
we were super competitive. We were always at each other's throats, but always trying to be buds at the same times. So it was like a very petty, like romantic comedy relationship where it's just like, there's just like someone's you like, like describe that you way. Know, yeah. I'd wake up and Mackie'd be like, not everyone looks good with greasy hair, Michael, but you can make it look just fine. You know, I mean, no, I'm just kidding. But it was very Ouch. love, hate, very much just like very, and, 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 and then I remember when we got to San Diego, we just had this really intentional talk of just like doing that for like a year and a half, two years at that point. We were just like, what if we were just friends? What if we were really patient with each other? Mm -hmm. And if me and him having that justice bent could have easily died on the hill of like, what, what about the times where I was right? What about the times where I was right? Mm -hmm. It's like, what if we loved each other more than that? And again, mm -hmm. so you, you find yourself lonely enough and just annoying people enough and hurting people enough. Mm -hmm. You just, at some point you hit a wake up call. It's like, there's mm -hmm. gotta be something more rich out there. And it's still a process. I'm not like saying that like I've arrived at this place. It becomes faster as you do it. But I still deal with that, that instinct reaction more often than not, you know? Yeah. I know for me, the seasons of discontent that I've gone through, um, more specifically in ministry, has taught me so much about what, what my foundation was in my mm -hmm. life. So I, I think yeah. about, I'll name three kind of bigger ones. Um, the first one was, um, even in being in Detroit, um, the, the ministry there, there was a lot of different dynamics. I'm going to be somewhat vague just because I, I don't need to be specific in order to explain it, but mm -hmm. it was, there was a lot of relational dynamics going on, even within my family. I was working for my dad and like all these things. I thought I was going to be there forever. I mm -hmm. thought I was going to take over the church for him. I thought I'd still be in Detroit. And it was in that season that I realized that my foundation very much was in my own plans, my own way of thinking, mm -hmm. what made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like God just shook that foundation <laughs> to show me the cracks in well, it. Yeah. And then, you know, he led me here. I went through a season here where the, it was unhealthy mm -hmm. before I was lead pastor. It was unhealthy. And it was like, again, God was like, here, let me just show you some more cracks in your foundation of what you're putting your hope in. Um, the season where we had purchased this building, but mm. we hadn't uh, uh, secured the financing for it. And when that didn't happen, it fell through. We had the financing, it fell through. And I was just like, it was like, I realized in that moment, God shook me hard. Mm -hmm. And I realized, man, I was putting all my identity and hope mm -hmm. in my own plans, my own mm -hmm. way of like what I could do to make happen. So like you yeah. look at all that. And then COVID was the last one where COVID was like, um, it was so unforeseen, you know, like if, if you would have said to anyone, I mean, you guys all remember, yeah. we were talking about shutting down, like, do we shut down for a week? Maybe two. Mm -hmm. I think, know, I think the initial like, talk was one, maybe two. Yeah. And then we can, you right. know, then we'll be back. It wasn't even in anyone's head. No. And then in a moment, I actually said there was one person prophetically, probably Chris Reed, who said, I think this could be a long time. And I just mm -hmm. remember telling him, yeah. like, Chris, they can't just shut down everything for, like, right. six months. And I was right. like, okay. <laughs> so we learn who the prophet is. Yeah. 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 Trust Chris Reed, yeah. But even that, I mean, you think about it, like, in a moment, we, like, for us, our our jobs changed, mm -hmm. our church changed, yeah. you could, your freedoms changed. You couldn't mm -hmm. go, like, yeah. that was just, like, the worst. So it was, again, it was like, God, you know what? And he wasn't just doing it to me. He was shaking all of our foundations. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. saw a lot of foundations break. You really oh, yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. But what I, in each one of those... I've I've come out on the other side, better understanding who God is and trusting mm -hmm. Him more. To where right. now, I'm not saying I wouldn't uh, ever have a, a, a season where God couldn't shake me because I know He will and can. But I do sense that like there are some things that used to shake me that don't shake me anymore. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. I go like, hey, like there's a mystery right now. Like we're talking about campuses and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Mackie's leading this. So, like there's a lot of like uh, uncertainty in the mm -hmm. specifics, but an absolute certainty in the ultimate outcome. Like yeah. I just know like yeah. unwavering. I'm like God's right. got this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would say me five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago, would not have had the same attitude. Mm -hmm. I would have been at this point going, God, I need you to make this next step so clear, mm -hmm. or I'm not doing it. You know, like, <laughs> like it would feel like that. Uh, not to be uh, no, you know, totally. joking, but 
Uh, okay, so when we talk about discontentment, the reason why we focused on it on Sunday is discontentment. This is one of the, the points. I gave two points. Discontentment can lead to manipulation and control of your life, even leading you away from faith in Jesus. Uh, the, the root of discontentment is the idea that you don't have what you need. Mm. And for us mm. that are following God, God's promise to us is to be our provider. Yeah. And, and so he makes that very clear. And so if you ha- don't have something, the lie of manipulation is you don't have what you need, therefore God didn't provide it, therefore you must do it yourself. Mm. And I think that's what gets us in this place where we start to open our minds and hearts, I think, to temptation that can ultimately lead us away. We looked at what Paul said. Paul goes, talking about like the love of money, and he goes, there are people in pursuit of this that have actually fallen into temptation, into snares, mm. and then he says, even have walked away from faith. I mean, that's a dramatic statement. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he's saying there are people at one point that were in a relationship with God that were no longer yeah. in a relationship with God because mm-hmm. there was some discontentment inside of them. Yeah. And that's real. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about the pain. And this is what we've all acknowledged. And I, I was even thinking about the story. My, my son Cole's in, in Bible college right now. And, and most nights he calls home and he has Bible questions. And this past week he was asking me some questions. And it's one of my favorite things. Like we sit, like I will be FaceTiming and and so I was like, actually, I was like making a, a meal for myself because we were about to leave. And so I had like, I was like, had my phone down. I was totally doing like the high schooler thing of like my, it wasn't even showing my face. Cause that's what they do to me. And it drives me nuts. But I was like, you know, I can, I can be cool too. You know, yeah, I can get it though. <laughs> I, I, get it, no, I do. Yeah. So I have it down on the counter and he goes, dad, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He goes, he goes, okay, John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. Right. And I go, yeah. He goes, why did John the Baptist send his disciples to go to Jesus and ask him if he was the one? And I was like, that's a great question. I love this question. Mm-hmm. And in that story, what you see is there's the big moment when Jesus, when John first sees Jesus, we all know the scripture, he points at him and goes, mm-hmm. behold, the lamb of God who mm-hmm. takes away the sins of the world. Like yeah. John is as confident as ever in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus comes to be baptized. John's like, I can't baptize you. You're more holy than me. And Jesus is like, no, you need to. And like, he obeys him. John finds himself in prison. And then all of a sudden he's wondering, mm-hmm. is Jesus really God? Wow. Because... Yeah. Life all of a sudden wasn't what he thought it would be. Wow. He was mm-hmm. discontent. Yep. And he's saying, like, go. And so what does Jesus say to him? He goes to his disciples. He goes, go and tell him what you saw, that people were healed, like the blind see, the deaf hear. Uh, but Jesus doesn't tell him that the, the captives were set free. Like he, he says, go and you know tell him, yes, you, that I am God. But we think about that is the power of discontentment, that mm-hmm. it becomes this manipulated wow. emotion yeah. inside mm-hmm. of us that opens the door for the temptations. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it. I mean, you, you just talked about it in your own personal life, but like I've seen, uh, I think the two major ones is when people are discontent relationally, mm-hmm. you'll see them compromise often. I'm not saying you did that, but I'm saying like people will compromise their standards. Right. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. people, when they're discontent financially, they'll yeah. they'll yep. start to pursue yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but just talk for a moment about what what is, and just encouraging people, maybe you have a personal story, what is um, some of the dangers of that di- discontentment and how it opens your heart to be deceived, to to yeah. believe lies? Yeah, I mean, so discontentment, it'll cause you to cross boundaries that you wouldn't have crossed before, mm-hmm. like when you were content, you know what I mean? So the easy one, I think the easy example is finances is like, man, I really want that thing. And it's been told, telling, like, it's being told to me that I need this thing. I need it. I need it to bring me more joy, to make my life better. And I'm willing to cross this boundary of, well, I don't need that much money in my savings, right? Or I can yeah. push this mm-hmm. bill back, right? Mm-hmm. Or my wife or husband doesn't have to know I spent this money. It'll cause you to cross boundaries that you wouldn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, really lower those standards, like you said, and lower really your inhibitions to say, well, there's some boundaries I have here, but now this discontentment has caused me to kind of hop over that boundary. That's good. Yeah. yeah. 
I think for me, I think about people in ministry, especially young people in ministry, that um, a lot of people when they get into it can romanticize at times. We've seen this um, working in a church often where, where young people come in and they'll, I want to be in full-time ministry. And the image they have of full-time ministry is a really cool hit pastor wearing cool sneakers and dressed really well, communicating really dynamically and almost like a, like an off-brand version of a celebrity. Like they look at like the health, they look at whether it be financial success, they look at, you know, job security, people admiring you. All those things are very attractive, you know? Um, And then oftentimes people will have that, not oftentimes, but enough. You'll see people who have that vision in their mind and will make compromises trying to get there too quickly when that shouldn't have even been the goal to begin with. So, you know, you'll see people um, jump job to job in ministry. And it's almost like, there's nothing states I were talking about this morning. You're at the bottom of a mountain. You look at the top of it and this idea of success and career fulfillment, and you'll take two steps and you're not there. It's like, I'm out and you'll leave. You're going to go get a new job in ministry and you'll go try something else. And then that won't be successful either. So you'll leave because you're not being patient in that process. You have this false version of what success in ministry even looks like, where the reality is if you can stick exactly where your feet are and minister to people mm-hmm. and love people, that's where you see God open up doors. I heard a teacher once communicate like that uh, she was dealing with people all the time. We were like, why isn't God like, I want to go speak at conferences. I want like, I feel like I have this burden in my heart and I feel like these doors aren't opening. <clears throat> and she made the comparison of like a photograph in a dark room of developing a photo. It's like if any light light leaks into that process, it ruins the photo, like mm-hmm. overexposes it. And she's like the amount of time she saw that in young ministers that like yeah. too ambitious, wanted too much, yeah. um, jumped out of that dark room too quick and destroyed mm-hmm. their character because they got into mm-hmm. a platform they weren't ready for to handle emotionally, to, mm-hmm. they weren't ready to handle... I mean, I think about that even about myself. Like if I would have had um, success as a worship leader too early on, it probably would have made me rather than humble, arrogant of like, yeah, it's because I can do this. Mm-hmm. Right. That toxic mentality can lead to endless mistakes. Mm-hmm. That mentality of like, yes, I can do this within my own strength where there's a patience and there's, and to be able to trust, like I'm in a process right now. Yeah. I'm not going to rush this. I'm not going to jump into something that potentially God doesn't have for me. I'm not going to force open doors. I'm going to stay right where I am and steward it to the very best of my abilities mm-hmm. and then walk through the next thing that God opens up, whatever it might look like, and be obedient and do the same exact thing, like mm-hmm. aggressive stewardship of what's right in front of you. Yeah, okay, I love, I love, love, love what you're saying right now. Okay, let's let's talk about that for a little bit, little bit deeper. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, discontentment can lead us to taking shortcuts. Mm-hmm. And the, it, the shortcut yeah. to what we think will fulfill us actually oftentimes doesn't even lead there, right? It, yeah, it right. leads away from the actual place that God has for us. And it can okay. destroy right. you in the process. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so we've seen it. Like You've given the example. We've seen young people in ministry that, yep. that want the stage too soon, and yep. they never get it because mm-hmm. because they take a shortcut. Okay, yeah. L- let's go to the other side, though. The person who goes, okay, I'm, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that tension of I know what I desire. I Maybe even I know what God's calling me to, but man, that process is going slower. Hmm. What can they hmm. do in order to to stay faithful in the process? Yeah, because like so, like you can even speak specifically if it's someone that is in worship. Someone I can you mm-hmm. guys can sure. talk about yeah, in teaching or whatever it might be. Because I do think people go like, man, I I don't know how to wrestle with this God given calling in my life, mm-hmm. and yet His timing. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it, it's so confusing mm-hmm. and so frustrating. Yeah. How can I stay content in this season? where it's not being answered in the timing that it seems so obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because here's one thing, that, like you talk about this a lot with your testimony. Um, you were confident in your abilities when you were younger. This is actually kind of an interesting dynamic. You were 
you would even say, these are your words, you would say you were cocky or arrogant when you were younger. Sure, yeah. Now I would say you've gone to the other extreme in the sense <laughs> yeah, of like yeah. everyone around you is going, Michael, do you realize how talented you are? And you're like, stop it, stop it. You know, but, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so how in that process, how yeah. does someone stay faithful to the timing, to the calling yep. when it, man, when it's just not your rhythm? Yeah, I'll just talk about worship for a second because it's really easy. Um, I heard, so it's kind of twofold where you can, you can, there's the healthy version you can go too far to where you're, you're crippled and you don't move. Right. <clears throat> but the healthy version is I heard, um, Carrie Job. This is when I was in high school. She was, I don't know if I saw it on YouTube or what, um, but she gave a lecture saying that she had never taken a step through a door that God hadn't opened first mm-hmm. because she's at that time was dramatically mm-hmm. successful. She had just wrote right. or made famous. She didn't write it, but a song called revelation song, which was mm-hmm. probably the biggest worship song in the world for like two years. That song was huge. It was mm-hmm. played everywhere. Uh, J- Jenny Riddle wrote it, who's not married to Jeremy Riddle. I thought that for a long time. Different lady. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't know anything about Jenny Riddle, but she uh, she wrote Revelation songs. Not related, in case you're wondering. Not related to Jeremy. Um, yeah, 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 yeah uh, totally different. But she wrote this, or she made famous this beautiful song, Revelation song, was probably the biggest worship leader in the world there for a second. And she was like, you know, everybody wanted on every album. She was already at Gateway, but then she's featuring on everybody's records. And, and so with that, I've even realized that at my job here, I don't have a very big, famous job, but you still get people who desire what, like, oh, I'd love to do, be on a stage right. and lead worship. I'd love to. So you get people who ask questions. How do you do it? And her answer was just like, I just let God open doors. Like anytime I felt myself trying to push my way through one, I just said no. Mm-hmm. It's like, I yeah. just decided not yeah. to do it. It's like, I was patient and God opened up doors. And then I walked right through with like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. So I think that's a really healthy perspective of when you're in a season, um, and you feel like maybe there's a prophetic word spoken over your life. Like I'm going to lead worship for people and I'm going to be on a stage and I'm going to, I'm going to write songs that impact people. And you have this burden on your heart and you're not there. Just don't force open a door. Mm-hmm. Don't climb through a window. Yeah, Just really good. stay, keep keep your feet planted where you are and be and <clears throat> and don't also be discontent and constantly anxious about when does that door open? Like mm-hmm. be at, at every morning, look at what do you have for me today mm-hmm. and do it. And yeah. do it the best you can and steward mm-hmm. to the best of your ability. So when you, I, I when love that part of it. The stewarding yeah. side of yes. like, because I think this is what we've seen is that people who are too forward looking oftentimes don't steward well what they have in front of them. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're not going to be given more. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even as a leader, but even from God's perspective, I'm not giving, if you're doing your job mediocre, I'm not giving you more responsibility. Yep. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, and so like, yeah, steward it well, be faithful in what you're doing. And that's when God gives the increase and God leads 100%. you to the next season. Every time in my life that I've kept my, that I've tried to be present, my mom always said it, be where your feet are, mm-hmm. be where your feet are. So if you're doing like, I, mm-hmm. I have to think about it with my kids all the time. If I'm with my kids, put my phone down, be present mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. If I'm at work, do, do my job. If I'm at home, do my job there. Be a great, be where my feet are, be present, steward it to the very best of my ability. And in my experience, God does open up doors. Mm-hmm. Might not be the door that I'd hoped for or yeah, wanted right. or, or desired, but it's, yeah. it, but more importantly, it's the door that he has for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I have yet to experience a season in my life. I'm only 30, but like where God has not honored that stewardship mm-hmm. into, mm-hmm. into him. I, you know, it's, it's like an old expression, like, like God rewards those who do, which can be really toxic. But if you really think about it appropriately and like, no, but if you're doing it, if you're stewarding, and if you're doing the things that God asked you to do, mm-hmm. That that usually gets bigger, you know, yeah. or at least it changes or it adjusts to where like you know to, to where you get to do it in a different capacity or get to bless people with it, even mm-hmm. if it just means explaining it to somebody else. More opportunity always comes when you steward well. So that's that would be for the pe- person who wants so bad to kick open that door. Just stop, mm-hmm. be where you are, trust that if it's God's desire, you know, like, and if you're stewarding your life well and you're in His presence, you'll know. Like mm-hmm. you know, the other part of it is that sometimes people are so crippled by their anxiety where they might have a calling on their life to write that song. They might have a calling on their life to this thing. And they're so 
have a low view of themselves and, and, and think so little of themselves or, or so nervous or so terrified by the future. And so they just live in this crippling anxiety. Oftentimes I have the same effect. You're not being mm -hmm. present right now because you're so worried about the future. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about that next season. I'm worried yeah. about this. And I'm so afraid of it that you're not even existing right now mm -hmm. to any capacity yeah. how God designed you to do. Right. If you're in that season where you feel like God has burdened your heart and you're crippled by it, it's the same amount of faithfulness that it takes to stay present as it does to take a step. Mm -hmm. Have that conversation. Yeah. Go ask that person. Go. Yep. I, I had one with Matthew where I told him this exact story that I heard from Carrie Job, where I told him this is years ago. It was like two years after I started working here. They wanted to teach in youth group someday. And so I'm like, I'm not, I haven't taught a lot. I've done it a couple of times. It's an interest that I have. I love the, the Bible study part of it. And I was like, I feel like this isn't normally my thing. I normally wait till you ask, but I feel like God has like put this in my heart just mm -hmm. to ask you about it. Mm -hmm. And Matt was like, yep, I thought that too. Let's do it. You know, but it took me like two months of like mm -hmm. being crippled with anxiety yep. about what if he even says yes? Like yeah. what if he says no? How embarrassing. But what if he says yes and I have to go get in front of people and teach? You know, it was really terrifying yeah. for me. But it takes the same amount of faithfulness to stay put in a steward as to steward mm -hmm. it well by actually walking through that door and trusting right. that the Holy Spirit's guiding you. Um, and the only way to, to, to discern which one is which is to be really tight with the Lord, listen to his voice, listen to the leaders that he has in your life that are speaking life over you, mm -hmm. be really sensitive to it, and then to have a crazy amount of faithfulness in either camp. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's really good. All right, so both of you, I'm going to similar questions. Um, so, Stacy, you've talked about this. You this past year, mm -hmm. uh, you received yeah. a word from God that it was going to be a year of stepping out in faith. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. in that sense, God created a discontent, if you want to use that, of, mm -hmm. of just saying like, "All right, you you've been settled. It's time to go deeper." <laughs> yeah. Uh, talk about that. So, okay. a, a person that is listening that's going, you know what? I'm trying to be content, but I feel like there's mm -hmm. something stirring inside of me. Yeah. What what did that feel like initially mm -hmm. to know you're hearing God's voice? Mm -hmm. What was the process you went through to start taking some action steps, as Michael was saying, yeah. to say, okay, I feel like God is, is birthing this in me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talk to me. Yeah, about. so I just really felt like God was like, this is a year where I'm really going to stretch and I'm really going to grow you. And um, I, I have a tendency to be an anxious person as well. Uh, you guys know me well. Um, I like structure. I like system. I like a, a good plan. Um, and uh, God knows that, but I think God also, he he's really been wanting to grow me a lot this mm -hmm. year. And the truth is, I feel like it is a, a huge year of growth for me where I really am learning not, not to live in that anxiousness as mm -hmm. much because he's called me to, to do things. And so, you know, we've talked before about uh, the, I feel like one of the very first steps was you're going to teach um, the church. And I was like, like on a Sunday. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and I, and I want to preface it by saying like, I know what God's voice sounds like now in my life because of little steps of obedience I've taken along the way. Yeah, explain and so, that. I know what you mean yeah, to So, um, I, I, it is that I think the first time I really felt I heard from God was when I was 19 years old and when he called me into ministry and it was just, okay, God, what does that mean for me? And so just hearing that, being willing to whatever step that is that he's calling me to do and then even taking it. So yeah. for instance, for me, I've shared, uh, I shared this on the staff retreat is I had free tuition at college and felt a call to ministry. And, um, so I switched schools. I took out school loans so that I could, I could pursue what God wanted me to do. And just since then I was like, okay, well that was clearly God's voice because he's blessed my obedience. And so it just has continued each yeah. time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, just stress that. I think anyone that says I want to hear from God, 
if you will obey what you think is God's voice and see his blessing, there is no other way mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. grow your confidence in hearing yeah, God's we'll voice than walking in obedience. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I yet again I felt like and so I went and talked to you and you were like, Yeah, let's do it. We got a chapel coming up, let's let's try it out. And I just thought, okay, I'm gonna teach it things like chapel for a while. Mm -hmm. And afterwards you're like, No, we're gonna add you to the teaching team, you right. know. But that was such a confirmation of hearing from God yet again right. that I was like, I was so scared. Like before I went in there, my hands were shaking and I was like, do you have a minute? <laughs> and, and Matthew, I'm like, you're so gracious yeah. to all of us and so encouraging, but it just was nerve wracking for sure, me. Yeah. And then you were like, okay. Um, so then earlier this year you said, you know what, I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Yeah. And I was like, okay, God keeps saying, you know, this is going to be your stretching. And even this morning, Michael and I were having a conversation kind of about this topic. We've alluded to it a little bit, but I, I am sort of feeling this discontent because I'm like, man, over the summer, God gave me this incredible vision for hospitality. I have no idea how I'm going to get there. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I have ideas and I have things I want to do, but I've consistently been like, but God, I'm one person, like mm -hmm. how in the world am I supposed to do this? And just even like Michael was saying, he said to me this morning, he's like, it's going to be one step at a time. Right. I know the end goal. I know where God's leading me, but I can also mm -hmm. be content in this moment knowing he has designed and created me to be who I am. Mm -hmm. He is. I mean, I'm having conversations with people. I'm, I'm doing things a year ago that I would have been like, I never would have done that. I never right. would have spoken on the stage and taught people. I never would have imagined hosting podcasts or sitting in these podcasts. I never would have imagined that I'm completely shifting an entire uh, ministry at right. our church, but it's because God continually has been giving me confidence every single time I've taken that step of obedience. And so even though I feel like I've got this humongous mountain ahead mm -hmm. of me, I just know, okay, God today, what what do you want me to do today? This is what Michael said to me today, and and I'm gonna just continue to trust you with yeah. the, with the places that you're calling and leading me. Yeah, I cannot reiterate enough like what a joy it's been to watch Stacy that whole process too. Where we've gotten to work together for you know on the same team for about coming up on a year. Our first conversation together was Stacy going like, Michael, I don't know if I can do this. It was, <laughs> you know, it really it, was. and the conversation today, she's like, not only do I think I can, I want mm -hmm. to. I just have all this vision. I don't know how to get there right now. And that, yeah. and I'm like, what a wild mm -hmm. difference between those two conversations. Mm -hmm. And, and it's such an, it's such a testimony to God's faithfulness that the answer in both it's stewardship on both ends. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's that answer of that. And to be content in that, like, okay, I'm going to do what God asked me today. But even how your attitude shifted from, I'm so afraid of that next step to like, no, now I'm like hunger for the next step. Mm -hmm. How do we get yeah. there? It's yeah. so cool to see that. Yeah. 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 My relationship in this was, she was standing on the diving board and I just pushed her in the I learned to be careful what you say. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's gonna happen. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So Mackie, you uh started your life in Florida and mm -hmm. went to ministry in California. We recruited you from there. Yep. Pretty dramatic change to come come from uh, California to Lancaster, Ohio, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and we've often kind of joked about, it, even like on the last retreat, like how many people from out of state God has drawn to mm -hmm. this ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and so in that process, though, what, 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 did that, what did that look like for your heart to be open? Because you had even joked that Michael had, had basically tried multiple times and you were like, yeah. ignore, 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 <laughs> ignore. Yep. And then something opened up and you came here and then something in your heart stirred mm -hmm. and you accepted the position. And then even here, talk about how you were doing youth ministry and then you just came to me and were like, I feel campuses mm. is yeah. what God's calling me to. Um, and then we had a conversation about it where I actually 
said I pushed back a tad bit and said like not just a campus pastor I think you're going to be over the campuses you remember that conversation I do. Yeah. yeah so I just do. talk about even that concept of like how did you navigate through that so if there's a person that's listening going like I want to be content I want to steward it well but yet I feel like God's stirring and calling yeah yeah no that's super good I you know early on in ministry I would relate to what Michael was describing earlier where um, there was this like facade, I would call it, right, of like ministry being this grand thing where uh, it is that kind of celebrity type look, you know, like that you have influence, you have um, position, title, all these things. It was very attractive. Um, and then I remember kind of getting into ministry. You you realize early on in ministry, too, especially if you um, have like an, a work ethic and you're really dedicated to it, it's like it's more than way more than just that. Right. It's mm -hmm. very obvious, you know, yeah. that ministry is hard work. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very rewarding. Um, I so I say all that to say in ministry, my ministry journey, I had to learn and I a couple ways the hard way. But I learned that, and I want to highlight what Michael said about faithfulness, is that every single time I was extremely faithful, instead of looking up above or looking at the big thing I wanted, instead of looking ahead at that, if I was really faithful, God blessed that faithfulness mm -hmm. yeah, every single sure. time, yeah. every single time. So like it almost at times felt like I had stumbled into like God's blessing for my life. Mm -hmm. I would say that about Ohio is like, that's me stumbling into like God's mm -hmm. greatest blessing in my life. Yeah. Um, people in San Diego, like, to the day my last Sunday were making fun of the decision I made. Like to the last Sunday, families were like, where's Ohio? You know, like, I've heard of it. You know, someone called it a flyover state. I didn't know what that meant until I heard someone call it that the last Sunday what I was in San mean? Diego. Like you just fly over it? Is that you, you just never fly over it in a plane? Yeah. It's very, very rude. Yeah, I didn't even know what that meant. So I would say. And then week one, he met his wife and he was like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. 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 just posted. It's like, Look, look Did you guys there. have a Kayla in San Diego? I don't <laughs> yeah. think so. Didn't think so, yo. But um, yeah, so every single time that God blessed me like that, it was because I was faithful in those small things. So I'd say that with, you know, any ministry thing I've been successful at, it wasn't because I was like hoping for this big, big thing. It's because I was really faithful in the small, mm -hmm. even at times felt begrudgingly thing, mm -hmm. you know, type thing. I remember there's a pastor actually in San Diego. I was at a summit, like a youth leader summit, and he he was teaching and he was like being very direct because it was all like youth leaders, youth pastors. And he said, so, you know, if you guys are like me, right. Or maybe he didn't use that phraseology, but he said, so in like a youth ministry setting, it's different from like a bigger setting. Like if you're teaching to adults, so you get on the stage and you teach to adults and it's a big thing. So you have to prep a lot. And if you're going into a youth ministry setting, you don't have to do a lot of prep. Right. And a couple of people nod their heads. He just goes, how dare you? And he's just like, it was so good. That was cold, man. Like, it was cold. Set him up. It was cold hard. Yeah. He goes, how dare you? He's like, God wants your faithfulness, and you need to prepare for that youth sermon like you would for that adult sermon, even more so to be faithful. Because if you ever want that big stage, you ever want that yeah. big opportunity, be faithful in small things, or God will mm. never give you that big thing to be faithful yeah. with because you can't even handle those small things, yeah. right? Yeah. And I've seen that over and over again. And again, even with you talking about campuses, every single time... It's, it's taught me to now when I'm thinking of it and, you know, have faith for campuses, I'm not focused on the big thing. We have big goals. We have big mm -hmm. vision, but I'm focused on us being very faithful in the yeah. small yeah. stuff yeah, because I, I know that's stuff. how God responds. Yeah, you know we'll I mean? yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So the final thing I want to talk about is the dynamic that the, the physical behaviors we do, how it impacts us mentally, emotionally, and spiritually that our physical behaviors in many ways trains us. Mm -hmm. it, it trains the other area. So mm -hmm. if you, like, so you said you're, you're by nature anxious. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
you can feed the anxiousness or you can feed right. the contentment with mm. God, right? Yeah. Like right. you can feed the desire for, like you can feed your pride, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. we can yeah. feed that by doing that or we can feed humility mm-hmm. and, and what we're doing. If, if there's someone here that goes, you know what, I, I'm being honest, like I'm discontent in my money, I'm discontent in my relationships, I'm discontent because I'm comparing myself to everyone else. Mm. Let's just quickly talk through what are just some practical, physical things you can do. I'm going to say one in general, but then I want you guys to kind of break it down. I would just say in every single area that you want to be content, you have to ask yourself the question, are you honoring God in that area? Mm -hmm. You want to be content in your finances? It first begins with honoring God and finances. Mm -hmm. You want to be content with your position? Like we're all saying, are you honoring God with where he's placed you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but just what are some physical things that you guys do in your life to, to, um, to teach and train yourself to be content in Mm -hmm. God? We've all admitted that there are natural elements in our lives that don't lead toward contentment, mm-hmm. right? So what are the things that we do? Uh, that way, if someone's listening, they can get some practical steps. I know that oftentimes um, comparison is where the discontentment will come for me. And I would just encourage people either limit mm. or get off social media. That's I good. know that I, I know so we, we stress that a lot to people, but... I have found, because I've done this in my life, where it's like when I've not been in on the social media as much, I find myself way more content, where I'm like, no, I can be more present with my family. I can be okay with where we are and the things that God is calling us to. Um, so that would be my my biggest encouragement to people. You know, if it's something you still feel like you have to have, you know, at least limit it. Say, I'm only getting on yeah. for like five minutes Let me speak a day that for a second. I would say take it off your phone. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have to stay on social media. I, I say have to. It, it's a strate- strategic thing just because of the ministry. Right. I, I want people to right. be able to know me. Um, I don't have it on my phone. I have mm-hmm. it on my computer. And I have to be honest, there are most days that I forget to check it now. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. So yeah. like I have to be purpose to go to my computer to log in, yeah. to then engage it. It's not a good, great experience. I do it quickly, mm-hmm. but man, it's made a big difference. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that that's my biggest one. And I think just even like you said, you know, um, like I can give an example. A couple of years ago, we were not being faithful in our finances at mm-hmm. all. And um, got to that place of a good discontentment where it was like, we, we've got to be better. And so it is like really seeking out God and being like, what areas am I not being faithful to mm. you? What areas am I not content in you? Because I think that I need to go buy all of these things or, you know, just keep racking up the credit card debt or whatever. And then just be faithful in that step of obedience. Yeah. Just like we were saying, if you really feel, if you feel like God's calling you in this moment, pay off your debt or start tithing, you know, whatever it is, just take that step of obedience and, and just be amazed at what God's able to do with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I remember years ago, I, I asked somebody, I feel like God's calling me to something, but I don't know what it is. What do I do in the meantime? He just said, open the Bible, and like literally he calls you to all kinds of stuff, just start there, mm. like doing the things that he's already <laughs> yeah. called to. It's, it's like, good. you want this bigger thing? You, want, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it is true. really good. It's like, you want the next thing, and that was, again, my yeah. mentality, you want right. the next thing, but man, there's already this list of things you could be faithful in. It's like, mm-hmm. are you loving people well? Mm-hmm. Are you stewarding this well? Are you just like, man, you want to be more generous and you want more money, but you right. haven't been a good steward with what you already have. Why would God bless you with that? And mm-hmm. I really do believe that is if you are able to be more and more faithful in that with what he's already called you to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, you know, I've already kind of hinted at this, but I'm in a season right now. I'm trying to just be way better at being present in, in my life. Mm -hmm. So Hmm. where I find myself discontent is usually when I'm operating out of the design that God has for me. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly future driven, thinking about things coming up. 
Um, and when I do that, when I'm not living, when I'm not focusing on what's in front of me, um, well, it's still what's in front of me, what's too far out in front of me, I lose sight of all of the beautiful things I'm missing right now. And mm -hmm. with that comes anxiety, fear mm -hmm. of the future. Um, or even if it doesn't make me anxious, if I'm excited about the things in the future, it makes me bored and discontent with what's happening today. Mm. So for me, I'm trying to live in this place to fight all of those things by whether it be in my money, where it's like, oh, I'd love to make more money so I can do this. Whether it be, you know, a career, whether it be with, um, you know, a project at my house. I, I genuinely like my house. Like, I really enjoy it. I love thinking about cool things I can do to it. I want to put up a deck or, you know, whatever. I'm mm. so future focused. I can just do this or I can just do this. And then oftentimes I find myself in that process just not being present where I am. I'm just, I'm filled with discontentment, frustration that I'm not where I want to be. I get too lost in the weeds of how do I make this financially work and how do I do this? And in the meantime, I've got these three kids around me that mm -hmm. I'm not focusing on. <clears throat> I have my wife who is my best friend. I love her more than anything in the whole world. And I'm not focusing on her. Or the better thing is like, do you want to go on a date? Or like to look mm -hmm. at my kids and be like, yep, all right, I'm very tired, but I'm getting down on the ground and you guys are going to beat me up for a half hour. Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, they're at that toddler age. So that's like, that's their love language. We just wrestle mm -hmm. around. I'm trying to be way more disciplined in my life on a daily basis to where I am. Even if I'm in a conversation with somebody, I have a really bad habit of I'll be talking to somebody and looking for an out of a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it's very rare that I find myself in a talk where I want to continue it. Sometimes it's because I'm anxious or running out of things to say. Sometimes because I have other things. A lot of times I have other things to do. Um, it's not the case for everybody, but like a lot of people it is. I just, I'm so task oriented. I want to go do this. I want to go do this. But just to ask like five more questions that I'm comfortable with hmm. sometimes and just be like, you know what I mean? To like, to tell me more about that and to ask like yeah. a really meaningful question to get them and, and just to. I'm going to reverse engineer this in our next conversation. I'm going to count five questions back and know that was the moment that Michael <laughs> lost interest. <laughs> that's what he, oh, that's no. What, no, I shouldn't say, no, I would never, I would never. Um, I'm going to have like a next music, a tally sheet. And it's going to be like, and that's five. I leave. That's five. Like he's he's out. Out. Okay. I'm like immediate. Yeah. You come in. I have five questions. Here yeah. You go. Well, you know, what's even really selfish, selfish part of me is like, I have things that organically fill me up. We talked about this recently. Right. Like I have a, you know, I have a friendship tank. That's really full. I've got meaningful friendships. And those friendships, none of that is belaboring, but, and that's, there's wisdom in that. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if I have too many really close friends, I'm a bad friend to everybody. So I've got this group of people, uh, most of the people that I work with that are like, I could be honest with, I can be vulnerable with, I could pour time and energy into. I just lose patience for people outside of that circle. Mm -hmm. And it's horrifying. I'm not proud right. to say that. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I want to, I'm, our little job is ministry of people mm -hmm. where I'll feel it, where I'll know, you know, where I, I just know someone will come to talk and be like, okay, this person asked a lot of questions. I've got this much time and I want to speed through it. But just to make myself be in that moment mm -hmm. and to just be there, just be a person for that person and yeah. to be present right here. And here's the cool part. That would be worth doing even if it didn't lead to anything cool because that's like what we're called to do. Mm -hmm. But usually God does show me cool stuff in that where I'll learn yeah. something new that there's no way I would have learned that or thought about that that way. But like that with everything, with my kids, with my wife, with my friends, with people who, who I want to move through a conversation with, just to be more present in every single moment guards my heart from being grumpy that I'm not at tomorrow already. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and I found more fulfillment in it, and I'm definitely not mastering it. This is like okay. something I'm like really trying to force myself to do now. But me and Mackie were just talking today about I'm hoping, you know, if I continue to speak this truth over my heart and make myself in some of these practices in life, um, we were talking about it in a different situation, like through this counseling thing, but even that specifically, if I can do that enough to make it a discipline, I hope one day that's an organic reaction that I have. Mm -hmm. I want to like do that enough to where that's just how I talk to people. And that's like my, my default. But right now it's like, it's labor and it's a choice, mm -hmm. but it's really fulfilling. And yeah. it just it guards my heart from all that discontentment and frustration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's all good. I'm going to kind of uh, steal from each one of you, but for me, it's, I, this happened to me years ago where I sat down and I really 
wrote down and was specific about what has God called me to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm, I'm called, I think it goes all the way back to when they asked me to be the lead pastor. I was like, what, how will this impact everything else in my life? So I'm called to be a Christian. I'm called to be Mary's husband. I'm called to be the father to my four kids, I'm called to be lead pastor. And from that, to disciple the staff well. But I, I made a list, and then I defined for each one of them what success would look like. Mm-hmm. And I get lost in my life doing that well. Mm-hmm. And it helps me to be content because mm-hmm. here's what I know. If I'm doing it really well in my family in order to do it well, I have to manage my time well. I have mm-hmm. to manage my finances well. Yeah. And so it removes some of even the the temptation to daydream about stuff. Like Mary and I, we're not daydreaming about um, a vacation home <laughs> because mm-hmm. sure. I got kids in college. I got right. I got three more quickly on the <laughs> wow. way, right, yeah. to college. And so the, it just removes some of that. You know, like mm-hmm. you just have a budget. Same thing with time. You guys know how busy we are. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to love Mary well and love my children well, I just can't say yes to a lot of other things. And so yeah, like, I don't even open my heart for it. And then on top of all of those things, consistently spending quality time in the presence of God makes yeah. all the difference. Yeah. This happens to me physically, if, if I'm, which I do regularly. If I exercise regularly, I can't eat a ton of junk food and fried food because mm-hmm. it makes my body physically feel sick. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing happens to me spiritually. Right. When I am in the presence of God consistently, which I, I make that a discipline in my life, other things become shocking to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've talked about this even like the older I get and the more I'm in God's presence, TV shows at once I could tolerate, I can't anymore. Like mm-hmm. my brother Daniel and I uh, were just having a conversation this this weekend, and he was just talking about this, not in a spiritual level, but just in life. He's like, there are movies I watch now that we, I watched as a kid that were so violent, and now I can't tolerate the violence. Mm. And I'm like, man, that's exactly where I'm at. Like, yeah. The older I get, I just go like, man, I just these things, like they seem gross to me now. But I think it is because it's just becoming more and more disciplined and focused in my life and in God's presence. So yeah. I would encourage everyone, make sure that you're doing what God has called you to do. Do mm-hmm. it well. Stay focused on that. And, yeah. and God will, I think, really grow contentment oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. your life. So yeah. All right, anything else you guys want to say? Nope. Great yeah. discussion. Yeah. Love you guys' insight. If this was a blessing to you, uh, we just pray that you will share it then with your family, friends, uh, because this is why we do it. We want to get content out there to help you understand the truths that we're looking at on Sunday. We never want to just give you information. Uh, We want to help you know how to apply it to your life, because if you just have information, you just have knowledge, it's not until it's applied to your life that it becomes true wisdom, and that's what God has called us to. So again, hope this was a blessing, and for all of you, we hope to see you on Sunday. God bless.